Hello world, you're listening to the Kitchener-Waterloo-Linux user group audio podcast. KWLUG discusses topics related to free and open source software of all kinds. We meet on the first non-holiday Monday of each month in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license, so you can give it to others, remix it, or even sell it, provided you abide by the terms of the license and share alike the works that you remix and redistribute. For more information about KWLUG, visit kwlug.org. For more information about this podcast, visit kwlug.org slash podcasts. In this month's presentation, Fernando Duran discusses his sysadmin training project, SAD Servers, and Sean Dalzell demonstrates how to get Visual Studio Code Server running from inside a virtual machine. Unfortunately, the sound quality on the first presentation was not very good, so for those who want to skip ahead, the second presentation begins at around minute 44. Uh, SAD Servers. Um... This is like the agenda, so I'll just very briefly talk about uh, just a couple of sentences, who I am, what the project is, why I did it. Um, then I'll spend a little bit more of time of how it's done, like the architecture and whatnot, and some challenges. Um, and then the most interesting part that is not already explained, like in the public GitHub, is a little bit of like a tour behind the scenes, uh, mostly the Django admin. And then I'll like you folks to basically ask me questions. Uh, it's pertinent to whatever I'm presenting, that's fine. Yeah, just go ahead and interrupt. Otherwise, we could do uh, until the end. Focused on uh, like the architecture of uh, the whole thing, um, like more like coding, be like more on the Linux side to be Yes, yes, let's get going. Um, yes, yeah, so who am I? So I've been working with Linux since 99, and then I've been working all my professional life uh, pretty much on startups using Linux. So uh, I've been a developer or sysadmin, then it's called like DevOps or Cloud Infrastructure SRE. It, uh, <laughs> different companies, they call it different things. Uh, I've been living in Waterloo since 2006. Uh, from time to time, I like to hear myself talking like now, and I've done like a couple of presentations, and I thought I would just drop in an O'Reilly book that I contributed like a couple of chapters. And yeah, if you want to sometimes like follow, especially for this project, you can follow at the Twitter link. And I don't know what to say about this. If, if, again, if you guys have any questions, just let me know. So such service, the idea was like to create Linux troubleshooting scenarios uh, on real servers or, or VMs that people could just go click uh, very easy UX and just have a scenario with a description and a condition of victory, like something very clear when something is solved. Um, yeah, so I couldn't find like, uh, oh, actually that's in the Y. <laughs> But this is what, uh, what it is. Uh, it's also possible besides troubleshooting to say something like, oh, find, uh, you know, set up, set up a service or set up something. And there's actually a couple of easy scenarios where it's like, it's like that. 
uh, for like basic Linux tooling. Please uh, follow recipe and, and, and install something is what I've seen that other services do. So I, I didn't see like something specific for, for troubleshooting. And of course, uh, there are like some other services that do something similar. Um, they tend to use Docker. Um, so sure, we can use, I could have used Docker, but I could um, pretty much there's almost no difference because they're uh, doing stuff. Um, I'm doing scenarios about that because I'm running VMs in the cloud. So then it's, it's, it's really right now, it's very tight. So um, uh, well, yeah, so the, the stories that like, um, just like a bunch of people, like I had like four or five ones Tuesday and Wednesday I said, YOLO, YOLO, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in packet news. And then it was like number two. Um, and then there was like some, I had to do with underselling there. Um, yeah, the why. I already been talking a little bit about this. So one is like just personal each. Like I couldn't find something that was quite the same. The same. A um, couple of interesting things that I have to solve. I'll mention that. And funny thing, I think it probably helped me with uh, job interviewing. So, so yeah, I have a new job now. <laughs> um, I'm not uh, for now, or or I don't think ever. Basically, like I, I don't think I will charge like people like to uh, use this for for interviewing people or something. That's that's the idea that I have right now. Um, okay, so let's review the architecture. Uh, high review summary. So I'm using Django, which is Python, uh, with Celery to queue the background jobs. Background jobs, basically, there are like two of them. It's like create a VM, destroy a VM. Um, there's like two more, something like a start a VM and stop it so that I can start from, uh, not from scratch, but from a stop in instance. Uh, there's like 10 seconds difference. I found that at the end. So it's like, it takes like 60 seconds to, no, 50 seconds, sorry, to create an instance from scratch and about 30 seconds to create an instance from, from a stop. So, uh, to simplify after the hacker news thing, I, I'm just creating them from scratch. Um, um, the one interesting thing for me that I didn't know how to do apps with dynamic IPs into uh, a web server, like automatically. So I use console and console template to solve this. So let's go to, sorry about this. I'm going to go to uh, this thing that hopefully is big enough. Architecture of uh, the whole service. So basically, it's a web server, Ginex uh, and Unicorn, because that's a good idea to put in from Django. A database salary for the uh, jobs. And then at the beginning, like the proof of concept, I was just from Django directly at the, you can see the, I don't know, I don't know if you can see the pointer, but um, I created the I have like a, something called Godi, which is uh, like a shell to web. Um, people will, could just, just go directly there. 
Um, but then I was like, oh, I want to have like TLS, like uh, HTTPS, and I created this uh, proxy server. And this, this is kind of like an interesting problem for uh, how do you add automatically uh, and delete automatically um, uh, IP addresses against uh, and routes into uh, a web server. So I tried a couple of things. I, I tried traffic, but didn't quite work. Um, here at the bottom, we have a different private network. Uh, the beginning was public, but I was like super scared that somebody could try and use this to like mine Bitcoin. <laughs> so right now, I don't allow like any uh, outgoing traffic. Uh, in the future, I may allow like I may have like a a proxy, um, a cache for for like Linux packages. If I forget to, if somebody wants to uh, solve something with a package that I wasn't aware of. Oops, sorry. I just uh, click on something. Um, for the console, uh, I'm going to show very briefly. Like this is the interface uh, just for me, and basically this is like a key value. This is what this does basically. Well, this is probably because of my IP address and stuff. I need to probably log in, but it, it just maps the name um, of the URL that I want to that I want to pass to like a, a IP address, a private IP address, and um, Django just creates and, and deletes this. Um, what else? I think that's pretty much from this. So we can go back to. Uh, the presentation, and then I'll show some of the stuff. Uh, the presentation is here. Uh, okay. Um, if anybody has any question about the architecture, I can maybe expand a little bit more. Um, some of the challenges that I had that I had is um, it's a lot of work in public that can be useful for or can be used in funny ways. Uh, maybe 10% of the time, maybe like doing scenarios and uh, 90% like work and coding and reliable and, and secure. Uh, but now that the framework is basically there, so now, now I can spend a bit more time on, on creating has this thing that is uh, when you're de developing locally, you have like a developer developing a web server that is not completely the same. So that has beaten me a couple of times. Um, and it's a bit hard to test things. Like if I'm testing uh, with Bottle 3 that I, that I want to stand up an instance in AWS, like what do I do if uh, so I make the call? And AWS says, yeah, I'm going to do this, but then what? Like, do I trust that? Do I try several times? So these, these are like some, um, I have some trouble like trying to figure out how to, how to test things that are like super asynchronous and, um, things related to like servers. And, but yeah, it, it mostly works. Like from time to time, I can see, uh, like one server like didn't, spin up or something like that, but, but that's rare. But, but I do see some errors, and I'll show you in a bit. Um, for the scenarios, one challenge that I have, uh, besides the wording, like sometimes I, um, like, like people didn't quite understand what I was trying to say. Um, they're like, 
scenarios that I want to create and they are not that easy to do, especially having like a specific solution. Like one common thing with Linux, you go to a server and maybe it has a super high CPU or something like that, but it's not so easy, at least for me, to uh, create something like that. Like maybe I can create a program that is like writing a, a lot, but like what's the solution there? Like, so uh, yeah, I found some scenarios that are not like uh, super easy to create. Um, and I thought I had a new, oh yeah, so basically, now we'll go to show some of this stuff. So, um, okay, maybe I'll start with, since I mentioned the, the issues, so you guys can see that. So I'm gonna show like some auxiliary services. Um, so this is Sentry, which I love. It's free for a number of uh, requests. So basically you just add like four lines of code and whenever you have a, an exception and error, it will show you. So I can see here that uh, sometimes there's a problem connecting to the agent. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned it too much, but um, there are like two things right on the VM. So one is the, uh, there's a Golang agent that what it does is it gets uh, a call and it just runs a, a bash script that returns yes or no. And if it returns yes, it says that the solution is correct. Otherwise, it says the solution is incorrect. And web is just this um, this library that uh, transforms a a shell to to web. Um, okay. So what I'm gonna be doing besides once I run off auxiliary things, we just create one, uh, or you guys can at any point just look here and, and create one. Um, but let me show like a couple of other auxiliary things. So RiteMQ also has a nice uh, user interface. So I can see like when there's a problem, like if things queued up or, or, or like that. So that's uh, that's really nice as well. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what, uh, where's the, uh, yeah. So yeah, when, when things uh, went wrong, you, you would like, um, we also use like um, a login service. I can see what's uh, what's going on in the server. Um, let's just go ahead and create one of these. Uh, let's see how this goes. So just create uh, whatever, 150 mini one. So this has one important thing in the idea is that you just one click away. So you don't have to even register uh, your email or anything. Um, this I need to update, it's not 30 seconds. Like I said, it's like more like 50 seconds now. Um, at the end, I'm not, some people suggested to create a button to uh, delete the instance, but I made it at some point, but I when I confuse people, I'm basically, yes, uh, people can go and shut down the instance. Um, we can see, let's go and see for, uh, this is the AWS dashboard. Um, where I have like a key value for production equals true because when I'm testing, I'm using other um, other values. And if we we can probably see the instances that are like terminated and created. So right now they're like two or oh, initializing. So this is one of these is the one that I just clicked on. Um, okay. 
Let's uh, look at the... Uh, okay, this is the... Sorry that I'm jumping back and forth, but then you can ask me to stop somewhere and look at it more more in deep. Um, so down here to the left, you can see this is like uh, the schema that I have. Uh, so I have like AMIs that are server images, uh, server images in, uh, in AWS. So whenever I have a scenario, I create a, like a golden image. Uh, from that image, uh, when a VM goes up, it goes here. So uh, right now I don't see any instance. instances can be like running, terminated, or being instantiated. So I see both of them are running. So one of these two is probably mine, uh, Venice. So I guess it's this one. So it should be up already, yes. Um, yeah, you probably cannot see that, but at the top here that you probably guys cannot see, but it's like the ID of the of the instance. So it's like 047. So that's going to be uh, this one. Take out the I. So that will be the instance that I'm running right now. Um, so yeah, so you have like, what's the AMI that I'm using, the status, if it's production or not, uh, when it started and when it ended. Um, and then I have like different scenarios. The scenarios, they have like a name, a label, a time, and what uh, AMI I'm using, uh, if it's enabled uh, and if it uses an agent or not, uh, because some there's a couple of scenarios where it is, it's very hard to, uh, like if I'm in a container, it's, it's very hard to verify that. I'm asking the, the user, can you figure out if this is a container or not? And it, it's there's no button to click that that's working. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's the sessions where I'm keeping this. Um, so this will be, one of these will be me, uh, this one. So this is like my IP address. That's the only thing I'm grabbing and I'm using that query session when it started and also in what clue I'm, I'm at. So if I'm here and uh, if I go to next clue, oh, this, this doesn't have a clue. Okay, this, this wasn't a good example, but here it will go to probably like the last one. So here it will show, um, Oh, actually has a solution. Okay, so it shows the next uh, solution. Um, I also use uh, this is table just to follow like uh, when people use too frequently the the service, I, I keep track of that and then I block them for, for like a day and then I go. also keep track of the Which are basically, like I said, like at server, keeping a server, and then that's pretty much it. Uh, check my solution. It's not like managed to pick the one that doesn't have a, a, a solution, um, but uh, yeah, here in, here in the sessions, it will. So now we'll be able to track like how long people took and how far they went. So I can add that to when people register with an email, I can tell them that. And also I'm, I'm working on, I'll, I'll be working on getting the user's uh, history, like the command history. Uh, so I think.
thing. Uh, yeah, out if uh, like this a container or not. Um, this one doesn't have a solution that I can click on and, uh, and show how that works. Uh, I think I've shown pretty much anything. I mean, I have another table with like the clues and another table with, uh, sorry, um, like I said, the, that's the abuses, but yeah. Uh, I don't even know how I've been doing in terms of time. Okay, so now, I mean, if anybody has any questions, I can talk more because I, I wasn't sure like, what people were interested in. So any questions? Uh, oh, late night, okay, I'll, I'll look into this. Uh, thank you. I was curious about uh, how you came up with new scenarios, or you know, do you, are you are you continuing to write new ones? Do you do you think you're finished? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to write? Um, sure. So let me uh, this open. Oh, did I close this? Uh, yes. You know, interviewing both as a doing the interview as person like a like a candidate and so I don't know if you can see there but this is where my notes of like the scenarios that I want to do uh, so many of the scenarios like some of them I already been using with people like I've interviewed candidates like uh, with similar scenarios that I would have um, and some of them are similar to what when I interview with people or something, also from from Linux experience, so I have like a list here uh, of like I mean you don't have to like uh, look into a specific one, but let's say I have probably like forty or so ideas, and these are the ones that I've done. I moved on here, but yeah, I probably have like forty or so ideas to um, uh, still build. And if somebody wants to. If somebody wants to contribute, I'll, I'll happy to put the scenario here. Like, uh, basically, what I would need um, in the same instructions, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, something to check the solutions. So, this I have only like one or two scenarios. We don't have, uh, I think, two of them. Um, uh, yeah, like like you know, a shell script or instructions for how to create the scenario. That's all I need. I mean, if somebody wants to do this with like Packer, that would be. Was also like creating, uh, giving people the same way that I click here, uh, giving people like one VM, and then they can create the scenario there. But that's a bit tricky because that will have to have like internet access. Uh, but but I, I can do that if like people email me or somebody that oh I want to create a scenario I'll just give them a VM and they can create there and then I can make an image or uh, go from there add the agent and uh, and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I've answered like more that that I was asked, but 
But yeah, you know, from, from usual things that I've, uh, come up with, you know, actually one of the, for instance, um, I have only like one Kubernetes, uh, uh, what do you say? I have only like one Kubernetes, uh, scenario. And it's actually not very good because this was me trying to create a regular Kubernetes scenario. And while I was trying to do it, I, uh, there was like an issue. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to use this as a scenario. <laughs> so this was, was actually uh, created by having a problem trying to come up with a scenario. Um, some other ones, like the first one, I had to be more careful because this is the default when you go to the website and you click give me a scenario. This is the, like 90% of the scenarios are like this in John. Um, if you go to sessions, um, yeah, on the scenario ID, we can see that St. John is like the most common one. So that one, I also have to be a bit more uh, careful that it was something kind of easy, but not super easy, or something that was troubleshooting. Like some of these ECs, like uh, counting IPs is like doing like grep or grep count, things like that. And Santiago is the same. So these two are like using basic Linux tooling. But I wanted this, the first one to be actually troubleshooting. So people here, they need to know like Fuser or LSOF or something like that, which may not be like super easy. Um, this was like 30 minutes at the beginning, but because of uh, the hacker news stuff, I just released it to 10. Um, I probably could go back now to like, yeah, I'm not here like, it's kind of like cheeky or, uh, are the new challenges weekly, but if you look at the, at the times, yeah, it's like, uh, this is the period where I was like out of a job interviewing and got COVID. So that's, that's why it was a bit of a hard month for me in October or November, I would say. Uh, that does make sense. So actually, I think Paul asked a question. I think you might have just answered that. Am I correct? The times are the amount of time that your virtual machine will actually last. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, um, so I have this guy. Yes, that, that's exactly right. This is time. minutes and here in the database, uh, you know, this repair is like often. Uh, it checks if uh, VM, it goes to the database, it goes here. And that's why I have like the start time, right? So I'm doing on one of these. I'm, I think I'm this guy. So I started like 12.44. Uh, this is everything UTC like it should be. Uh, so it's being only like, like a, what, like a minute? Um, no, I'm on the wrong one. Um, this guy, sorry, I'm this guy. Also, yeah, Venice, yeah. So I started this like uh, 7.33, and I get myself for this, uh, what is this? Venice, 15 minutes. So this should die in whatever the math is of 33 plus 15, right? Like 48. So in two more minutes, two more minutes, and, and actually, we can see, I haven't shown this, but, but you guys won't be able to see too much. But let me see if you can see. 
Um, so this is the tale of the um, the salary worker. So we'll see, like in in a couple of minutes, we'll see this moving saying, "I found this this VM uh, where starting date." Uh, well, actually, I I don't remember now if I'm logging that or not because I I. I in panic mode, but that's what it does. So in a, in a couple of minutes, this will go. During uh, uh, the next minute, it will go. It will end this, and and this window will will just basically will kick me out. So I still can do. It, but yeah, during the next minute or so. Yeah, so I guess the the time limit is going to pretty effectively limit like the amount of problems someone could cause by things exactly. like yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my first line of defense. Like then, I, but uh, then at the beginning that that's how it was. But then after like a month or so, I could call the uh, the proxy server. Then all the VMs now are in a in a VPC that is like private, like there's no public, like you can, uh, oh, this is the wrong. Um, where am I? Yeah, like, 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 like you cannot go, well, you can ping because it has an internal DNS servers, but like you cannot, uh, I forgot to call Google. You cannot go outside, right? This doesn't have a public, yeah, it's just that connection closed. Uh, same 48, so 47 time it took for the Reaper to, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, I'm, I'm logging that. So it says Reaper shutting down 047, that was my uh, VM. And also it deletes the console key over here. Um, oops, sorry, I'm just, yeah, so this is connection closed. So this guy died. And if we go to the VM and we refresh this, it, it should show that is 047. Is this guy terminated and killed at 1248? Um, and here it will be, yeah, this job that ran probably at yeah, one of these two that ran at 248. Yes, uh, no, this is pretty, uh, I mean, it was kind of, uh, not too hard to do. Uh, I still, I managed to, uh, create, no, no, not like a bug, but I was doing them like kind of like one by one. And when there's like a lot of servers, they, they were not dying. Um, uh, and then we can see here probably this will, if we update this. Yeah. So the, well, 047. Yeah. This guy is now terminated. So yeah, that's um, that's the basic of how that works. Here in Rabbit, probably we don't even have a we don't even have a, a blimp. Even we may have like incoming job or something, but build doesn't even doesn't show. Uh, probably like the uh, yeah, I always forget where the where the things are here always. <laughs> Any other questions?
the session probably also kill the session probably um so what does abusive use looks like yeah i Yeah, so this is so this is me from Mexico City. One session. So basically, so this is the IP is the only thing that I know, right? Because I'm not asking for like emails. Um, a service called IP Info to get like their location just for uh, for fun times. It doesn't matter. You could go to like any service and with the IP address and they'll give you the same thing, right? Um, so what it does is that if people go over a number of sessions in a number of so it's like an anti-robot uh, thing that basically any public service you, you have to have. So from time to time, somebody asks me, oh, I, you know, um, I, I, I'm iced or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll, 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 you know, you just email me or something and I'll, you know, a robot. But nowadays you, you really have to have some sort of anti-robot uh, measure or, or you could kind of automate getting like servers or doing something. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of, bit of code that basically, just what I said, uh, there's like a number of session, which is a variable, a parameter. And when you hit that, uh, you need to wait uh, a number of times. So let's say that if you hit like 10 sessions within 10 or 15 sessions within 24 hours, then your eyes for like 24 hours. Something like that. All this is parameterized. And have you found that people were trying to abuse it? And if you so, do you know uh, what they were trying to abuse it for? Like, uh, I mean, take into account that I have like tens of thousands of like sessions. And I may have actually we can count them to the we could go to the database, but these are like how many rows are here? Um, uh, in general, no. In general, um, like if I have, I think these are like maybe like a hundred, and if I have like, you know. Actually, this is already okay. So, out of like thirty-four thousand, so that's that's. I mean, what's that percentage? So I don't know. That's something like zero point seven percent. So yeah, I haven't found. Uh, and again, like you said, they don't have like worst case scenario. I think I'm giving in these ones. So you have like 20 minutes until the VM dies. And the important thing is like, there's no network connectivity to get a VM, but you cannot go and download the something There's no public interface, no, no internet gateway. Uh, maybe I'll do that for, I don't know, maybe for like a premium user. I mean, that's, that's up in the air. But right now you simply cannot uh, kind of do anything like um, air gap, right? So you, you cannot go outside, it lasts 20 minutes. So, once 
five, 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 or uh, and just you know just anything else that the folks wanna wanna see. Maybe a more general question I thought of, of what are your goals for the project? Sort of what, um, uh, what, what will be success for you? I mean, success is people, they're like two things. Uh, one is, I think I mentioned this somehow. Uh, one is people using it. And I'm very happy because uh, people are using it, right? Like I have, um, I don't know the number, I mean, of the top, there are like hundreds of December 6th, uh, we've been in December 6th in UTC for like not even one hour. Like 10 users. I mean, maybe some, some are you, right? Tens or hundreds of users in it. Also have like um, a contact table here. I, I want to show you because there are like people in putting email and putting stuff, but basically they're all like, uh, which makes me very happy. So like 80% is that, and then like a 20% is a mix of, oh, you can do this instead of LSOF, use F user. Or of a problem, or maybe uh, sometimes when they click on, says it's wrong and it's not uh, but sometimes if you open managing the sessions is pretty hard um, so if you open like two scenarios at the same time uh, Django thinks that you're on this on the on the second one or the other way around so if you open more than one it can get confused when you check uh, uh, the But tomorrow, I you know, like Rackspace or whoever, oh, we, we hire for like the, like the filter screen or something and we'll pay you something. I'm like, hey, that, that, that's, that's awesome. So I can come to Mexico more often. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah, most of the, like, 80% of what I've said is pretty much on this, uh, except for the behind-the-scenes uh, tour is, uh, like, the why uh, uh, is, is in the um, um, GitHub public um, repo. So one question I had just quickly was, so these these virtual machines, they're not yes. images, right? They're just, is it like they're spinning it up based upon code? Uh, yeah, they, they come from images. So here are the, um, so in, in AWS, uh, I mean, all the, all the elements from an image. If you use like, you can use like a blank one from, from Amazon, but when you go, when you create an instance in AWS, uh, you know, you give it a name, an instance type, that doesn't matter, but one thing that you need to pick is the image. So you have like Debian that I'm using that I like the most. I have some Ubuntu. 
Uh, by the way, I used to have an AC Linux, but that cost the same as all the other combined because of the license. So yeah, the uh, you need to have a image to to stand up a virtual machine in, in AWS or or any public cloud. So in my case, I I think I showed it I showed it, but I I, I went like very fast. So I have another one for like Red Hat or something. Um, this base image, basically what it has is the base Debian image 11 or whatever. And then I add there the agent and I, and I add Gaudi, like the shell to web. And I add also some upgrade install, like some packages that you use for troubleshooting. So that's my base. And then when I want to create a new scenario, I build, I create the scenario on the new VM, and then I create an image from that scenario. So, and after that, I have like a new scenario, say, so once I have that, when I, ha I have that scenario, um, it has an ID, and I put that ID, no, the, not the proxy, <laughs> anything except the proxy, that's just a safety image. It has ID, blah, 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 33DD, so if you go here to the this here and it's like oh I need to spin up this image I need the cheapest one top half half a cent US per hour. So I'm capped in the number, of, and because there's a maximum number of VMs that you can subnet. So even if it's evil to, you know, create a lot of uh, IP source to go around my anti-spine or anti-bot measure, there will and there will be a maximum of dollars that I will be uh, spending. Um, but also, I get, I get, I get, I get a lot of alerts. Uh, actually, uh, I could. Let me see. Um, yeah, I will have to, I'll have to unshare for a second because it's like a folder in my email, but they have like, there's one for money. Uh, if I can hear, uh, I don't remember where this was. Uh, so I have one for like so I get um, goes over a certain dollar amount. Second one that I have. Um, I don't remember now. Yeah, probably. I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have it ready. I don't want to show exactly how much it's paying. But but yeah, a couple a, a couple of things. Uh, to make sure that you know, I I, I can tell when they put such servers in a popular like with because I can see see a job in the group of servers being created. Extra couple of or something. VMs are created from an image, yeah. And you can, you can you can you can check here. Like we go to one of these. And this from 
Tady je to Tokyo. Everyone, can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound good. All right. Hopefully your sound will stay good. Yeah, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping so as well. Okay, my name's Sean, uh, and I'll just jump over to my slideshow here. Uh, can you see my slideshow? Okay. Yes. Excellent. All right. So a uh, little bit about me. Uh, my name's Sean, like I said originally. Originally from Saskatchewan, um, the capital city of Regina. Moved to, and uh, just like Fernando, my first uh, Linux install was in 1999. Uh, I don't know about Fernando, but I could not get Java working at that time. It was uh, very frustrating. But uh, since then, I've continued to become an open source enthusiast and uh, have not yet presented for the Linux users group here. Uh, this is my first time, which... Uh, Pleases me because I've been a member since uh, moving here in uh, 2000 or so. Uh, the reason that I wanted to uh, create this Visual Studio Code server was because I was taking a, uh, a Python developers course on a Cloud Guru site uh, and their cloud-based education site. So uh, everything that they do is on the cloud using their VMs. Um, if you're a regular participant of uh, of, of these cloud VMs, then for the most part, you won't experience a problem. You'll be able to log in anytime, anywhere, so long as you do it within about three days. Um, having a busier schedule or being a amateur um, developer like myself, I don't have time to regularly jump into that. So I found myself having to start from scratch about three times on those cloud servers. Uh, then I had the idea that uh, I may as well just do it locally. And uh, I could even possibly do it when the um, the network is down. And uh, if you remember the Rogers outage that we had a, a few weeks ago, I, I did indeed uh, do that. So from here, let's just move forward. Um, the pieces that you need to build your uh, your own Visual Studio Code virtual machine is uh, I used Oracle VirtualBox, um, copy of Fedora Server 36 uh, DVD ISO, um, the Red Hat Developers Tools Group when uh, doing the installation. The uh, Red Hat C Development Group. I added that one just for fun, um, but uh, I did uh, I did add it. And in moments, like I said, of pure frustration where I was just trying to get things working, I didn't have one piece in the right spot several times. Um, so it took a couple iterations to finally get this one working. Um, when you load up uh, your Oracle VM, um, I tried to make this as small as possible so that it didn't take up too much of my uh, my own real estate, and uh, so anyone with uh, a smaller computer computer could do about the same. So I have my um, my VM running about two CPUs, four gigabytes of RAM, fifty gigabytes of storage, which is overkill, but uh, better safe than story than sorry. Uh, one NAT adapter with port forwarding minimum display settings, and pretty much uh, disabled most of the other resources. Again, like I said, small resource footprint, uh, so that doesn't take up too much of your other resources. Um, for the install of, uh, of the ISO, building the VM, I just use defaults. Um, my next step for this, or my next iteration, is going to be using Vagrant to build this from like just from a box uh, that's available for people, or, or build the entire thing for using the command line. Um, and then once uh, once I got my first boot after uh, confirming the uh, the port forwarding was set up, I used the Fedora Cockpit browser application, which I'll show in just a second. It's a, it's kind of a slick little 
tool that I, uh, I enjoyed using instead of using uh, SSH like uh, Buddy or something. So, uh, like I said, uh, used the Fedora Cockpit web application with a port forward uh, 9090 uh, to 2090, which basically um, probably is backwards. But uh, basically, you want 9090 on the VM and then using 2090 on your browser. Uh, make sure you update the operating system packages. And then I added the uh, VS Code server repository. That's it for pretty much the um, the slides. So moving over to the system itself. This is the Fedora cockpit. Uh, if you get a chance, I recommend installing it and playing with it. It's it's a nice little way to, to use your tools, to, to use that tool. Once you get the uh, Fedora course, uh, I'm sorry, once you get the VM up and running, you'll be able to set the YAML config file, uh, this one right here, for the password, and then uh, whatever password you set in there, uh, you can type in here once you get the services up and running. Um, I'll, ha I'll have more detailed instructions because I'm missing a few important steps between loading up the VM and getting the repository installed and having a code server. So we can work through that later on. But once you log into the system, just uh, type in your password. And uh, you're presented with what is the getting started for the VS Code server. So you've seen this before if you've used VS Code. It's just this is an opportunity to uh, program your interface or user programming on a system that's possibly going to be running similar code. Um, what I'm trying to say with that is that I often believe, or I do believe, that um, developers, or there's a certain subset of developers that don't develop enough on the operating system that their system is released on and deployed on. And they should get some more experience with that. But uh, moving back to this, uh, we can talk about uh, that stuff later on. Using the Explorer basically brings me to uh, your, your developer interface. So first thing you'll want to do is add some extensions. And uh, using VS Code, basically, you add the extensions. And I was using Python, so I'm going to focus on that one. Um, but as you can see, I also added OpenSCAD and C, C++. Um, so working with Python, going back to my system, I had a couple Python courses I went through. Uh, so just like this, basically, with the extension enabled in this one, you can press the play button, and it'll work out for you. One of the things I also added was uh, getting the PyEnv uh, shell working. Um, the Py Python environment is a, or PyEnv is, is a great little subtool again when you're learning Python because you're going to find that this, the book that you find probably for cheap or free is a different version than what is the most available. And so you're going to be doing stuff and then you're going to run into to blocks in the different ways. So PyEnv helps with that. Um, a few other programs that I used or just tried out was uh, created the goodbye from, uh, and this is from the uh, the learning C programming for dummies uh, that I found at a used bookstore probably for a dollar uh, years ago. So just happened to do this one created, and then I was able to create um, the executable for that one as well, which is in the, uh, the C underscore playground directory inside uh, and just goodbye one. So just like that. And so that's 
pretty much it for um, showing you how I built it and then what's possible within it. Uh, now's the time to, to ask some questions. Like I said, I, I didn't have too, too much to talk about for this. Okay, I didn't say that earlier, but uh, we can talk about uh, the different options that are available. Uh, there's lots of extensions for your own uh, development. If you wanted to uh, say, for example, JavaScript, I heard that was uh, spoken about. Um, there are extensions, many extensions available for that. And just finding the, the right kind for uh, the right one for you. Um, Could you give us, I'm not very familiar with VS code at all. Hmm? And I don't think I understand exactly what components are there and what's doing what. So I understand that you're installing Fedora into a virtual machine. And I understand that you want to install Python into a something, but I don't know what that something is. And I don't even know, what am I looking at now? Am I looking at virtual, am I just looking at VS Code or am I looking at the server? You're looking at the VS Code running on the server itself specifically. Um, so what I've built here is running on um, this this machine right here. So you have a virtual machine. Did you just install VS Code into the machine, or did you install a separate component called VS Code Server? I installed a, installed a, a separate co- sorry installed a separate extension called the VS Code Server from uh, the GitHub repository. Uh, so a Google what search. What does that do? What it does is it uh, uh, it adds the uh, the VS Code into its own little web application server um, to allow you to run it from cloud-based or VM-based systems, and then you remotely connect to it using a, a browser. So what you're looking at now with the Goodbye C Playground, that's a web browser is what you're saying? That's right. I'm look- uh, we're working at that in a, inside of a web browser. So I'm inside of uh, Firefox here, looking at this one. And... Uh, it's running that on is connecting mm-hmm. into the virtual machine, and then the virtual machine is now giving you a display that looks as if you had installed the IDE on your desktop. Exactly right. So if I open up um, the Oracle Virtual Box Manager here, so you'd start up, uh, you'd set up your virtual box here, add it as a new one uh, with your settings. So looking at the settings for this system, it's probably a little bit small for you guys to see, um, but. You'd go through the different steps of this, um, configure your motherboard. Um, I only have the optical and hard disk enabled. Um, the number of CPUs that you'd set, I set two. And then the execution cap, I did not uh, put anything, I didn't set any blockers for this. Moving down to the display, I added, uh, basically just went with the basic settings for the display because you're not going to be... Uh, projecting anything onto this system. This is, for all intents and purposes, it's headless. And then uh, the most important part after setting up the the storage, which is here, you'd uh, add your Fedora IDE. Not IDE, I'm sorry. You'd add your Fedora disk for the install. And then you'd add your, uh, your hard drive here. Moving down to the Networks tab, you want to make sure that you have the port forwarding installed and enabled. Uh, so if this is a little bit small, basically I have cockpit access using the TCP protocol. Uh, host IP I leave open so that uh, it's everyone. And then 29090 
uh, is the host port that it's coming in on. And then that is um, translated into the guest IP as 9090, which is what um, is in this case the Fedora cockpit is running. The code server is running on port 8080 like Tomcat does. And then I also included uh, port 22, so if I ever need to do SSH. From there, you added the repository information. So let's see if I can... It's not the one. Let's see if I can zoom in on this on the instructions here. No, I can't. But that's just installing a program. That's installing. As, exactly. as if you would install any other program from a repository in Fedora. That's right. So once you get into the system itself, and we'll just do a quick logout, and I'll bring it to the beginning. After starting up the services and logging in, or, sorry, after installing the services and enabling and starting them up, uh, you will be presented with the ability to log into the web browser once it's present. And once you put in that password, mm -hmm. when you're in VS Code Server, it looks like you have access to the terminal. Yes. And so do you have like root access on the terminal? Could you do bad things? You absolutely 100% could do bad things and terrible things on this uh, on this system. So it's um, basically only the password that's in that YAML file yes. that's protecting you from trashing the entire VM. That's right. But, so it's um, safe in your mm -hmm. case because you're just using it on VirtualBox. So basically, even though in principle you could put this on a virtual machine in the cloud, mm -hmm. it's limited. Like, you can't use this anywhere in the world. Like, you can't be in, like, Russia and then connect to the server because it's just on your desktop. Correct. Here. Okay. That's right. But if it was in if it was in the cloud someplace, you could still do the same thing and install VS Code Server. Mm -hmm. But now you have to worry about somebody in Russia or wherever getting into your server. Exactly. That's right. So it's similar to Fernando's uh, worries in that case. Oh, absolutely. If you were to do this on the yeah, it, um, that was also one of my concerns when setting up VS Code Server as a, it's a cloud machine was that it it is open and available to uh, for people to possibly be nefarious. Um, so there's there's other options available for the uh, for login um, authentication. Um, and so I'll, I'll open up the uh, the config.yaml file. Sean, can I ask you a, a question while you do that? Please do. So what what would be the motivation to run it this way as opposed to installing the VS Code IDE directly on your computer? Great question. The reason why I did it this way was because I wanted to do all of the programming specifically on the VM. Um, so if I were a, a more well-rounded developer uh, who was able to create a, um, a full system that, like uh, like what Fernando was doing, um, I would, uh, I'd be able to basically have access to that uh, from anywhere. Um, and so the reason why I'd want to do it on the on the VM versus on my local system is because I want to separate my my development from um, my home system mm -hmm. uh, for for many different reasons. Um, namely, basically, um, if if I break anything on on the VM, I don't I don't care, and I can break it and uh, then just reload a um, a snapshot. Whereas if I'm developing on the uh, on this computer itself and I break something. Um, 
my possible access to that code might be broken. Um, so of course there's, you know, there's the Git hubs and Git repositories and whatnot. Um, but I also just like the idea of having a, a quick and uh, quick to load solution uh, for learning. Interesting. Right. Yeah, this, um, cause I, I, I can see this home assistant actually has visual studio code baked into it as well. And I'm suspecting it's the similar, it's similar to what you've got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And like, this is not the only solution for that. Like I'm sure you could probably run something similar with Eclipse or, or any of the other, uh, solutions out there that were available. I was just, uh, presented with the opportunity to, to try and recreate, um, a cloud server locally. And then um, I, have, I have more ideas for how to do this. Again, I'd like to run this in a container. Uh, then I'd like to run this in a remote container um, Then and then taking into the considerations for the security and whatnot. And by remote container, I don't necessarily mean in Azure, AWS, or even uh, Linode. I mean, like on a, possibly on a little Raspberry Pi or something. It's kind of neat because you can actually run VS Code on a on a Chromebook at this point, right? Because it's right. inside yep. a browser. So that's interesting from that perspective too. Can you create multiple user IDs on the on the VS Code server? So if you have like a server that you could have multiple people logging into with their own separate environments, do you know that? That I don't know about. Um, that's a great question. I'd have to I'd have to look into separate IDs because um, it would have to probably be controlled by ports. Um, as well, like I, I'm, I'm specifically logging in as the Sean user into this VM, um, and the Sean user is is taking control of the services, right? Uh, running the services for uh, for the VS Code server. Um, yep. So that that's a that's a good that's a good question and probably a good idea. I, I'm I'm sure it would be possible to have uh, multiple users again running their own um, instance of, of the VS Code and then also. Connecting up to GitHub, which is something else I haven't done yet, is uh, is clone a repository uh, down to here or anything uh, more advanced like that. There's probably plugins for Git on there too. Oh yeah, there absolutely were. Um, yeah, there are. That was like I'm just kind of mind is a little bit reeling from like a classroom mm-hmm. environment where you could set something like this up. That was that's exactly my intent was was for a classroom environment. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I was able to successfully um, compile a C program, as we saw, uh, Visual Studio, or, and I'm sorry, yeah, Visual Studio, uh, the Python, and then I'm going to try the OpenSCAD at some point in the near future since I picked up a couple of books for that. Um, so that's my system. That's And then I will be posting the instructions on how to set it up uh, as well. So I'll, I'll do that in a follow-up uh, post. So does that virtual machine, is that set up so that that can talk to the broader internet? Uh, yes. So you can pull in Git repositories from GitHub yes, using yes, the terminal there if you want. That's right. Okay. And then how do you get code? So maybe that's the answer to, like, you wrote some code in Visual Studio mm-hmm. in, in the server. It lives on the virtual machine. How do you get it off so that you can make a backup? Um, so one of the ideas I had was I uh, created a mount point um, using the uh, the visual or the virtual box um, into one of my directories. I haven't confirmed that it works yet, so I can't say that that part fully does. But that's more of the uh, that problem exists between the keyboard and chair rather than uh, a technological issue. Uh, so 
the first recommendation is uh, Git repository for making sure that your uh, your backup is your code is backed up. But if uh, you don't want to do that, then um, I created a um, a shared directory between the VM and uh, the local host, where uh, you can save your files and whatnot. And then to uh, the, the options for Visual Studio Code as well, uh, there's lots of settings and uh, extensions. Uh, there's the color theme. Um, so when I first started using this, I was using a dark theme, um, but that it was mentioned that that was not as easy to uh, to present with. So there's there's lots of options for that as well. Uh, there's this one, and again, like like many IDEs, you can make it as pretty or as ugly as you need it. Uh, for your own needs, um, and uh, have the availability to get yourself some more real estate. Um, the tools are mobile, and so if you wanted to just do full screen terminal work, you could do that. Um, or if you wanted to do the uh, instead, just do the development and the coding, you can have that available to you. Um, moving between the different, and then just open up new terminals. You have multiple terminals opening, doing different tasks. Um, also, different code available uh, for that. And then how you arrange it is also possible. Do you know if the functionality in this web interface is going to be identical or at least as much as you get on the IDE, or is it some kind of stripped-down version? It seems as it seems as similar as the uh, the full fledged IDE that I've worked with. So it's got all the same sorts of features. Yes, as many as I've seen. Um, and so, other steps that you can take with this uh, would be automating the um, the setup and configuration uh, using either the uh, the command line for um, VirtualBox or a combination of virtual box and bash scripts and then other uh, other tools can, as as they're available vagrant is my next one that I want to play with uh for again quickly uh building up and tearing down these systems so would this be a useful system for running uh workshops Seems I feel like it would you be. Could- uh, I was wondering maybe for uh, even for future lug stuff, um, this would be an interesting thing to be able to just spin up a new, I guess, whether locally or on the cloud, depending on what you were doing. And everybody just gets, here's your environment. It's already set up. Yep, absolutely. That's, uh, that is that is definitely one of the um, applications that I had for this. Good evening. Like you want to mm-hmm. have multiple user functionality worked out if you want to do that, though. Oh, yes. Have have um, have the environment created as well, uh, and the extensions added and available. So yeah, those those are all steps that you can actually also include um, in the uh, in the when you're building it in, in the configuration, uh, because a lot of this can be done on the on the command line. So just looking at the different options for the commands available. Uh, one of the things I did earlier was I did the install extension. Um, specifically for the uh, the C extension. So I, I'm, also, I'm as surprised as anyone else when it comes to using a Microsoft um, product for development and or uh, for learning, but uh, it does do the job. So it works in that respect. 
did you ever go poke around um, with the VS Code Server uh, install directories and see what kind of languages it was written in? Like, is it all JavaScript or is it, I don't know, I don't even know what else it could be. No, not too much. I haven't poked uh, too much into it, but uh, the, the Git uh, the, the Git repository is out there. Um, JavaScript. Tim says it's JavaScript in the chat. Okay, cool. Cool. Thank you. You could probably even set that up. I wonder if there's a Docker instance for it where you could set yes. up multiple versions of it on a single machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then use different ports to send you to different containers. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, there's there's so many options for it. Um, oh no, big blue button, and it has a great a- API too. Cool. That's good to know. I'll just max that screen. Okay. Um. So going going through uh, the different options on the different sides, you have uh, you can see the different like it'll um, alert you for problems, uh, much much like IDEs do. So it provides you with uh, different encoding, plain text. You can set your layout uh, if you have any notifications. And then there's the uh, the extensions, which we've uh, looked at. Uh, there's a debug side. There's source control. Here's where you would um, you'd initialize whatever repository you wanted to connect to. Uh, so you can attach to GitHub almost uh, right away. Uh, but other repositories are available. Uh, powered by Git, you can uh, search, do text, uh, some text replace, and then just your own explorer. So uh, different areas that you've set up as your environments. Sorry for the uh, the uh, white noise or lack of uh, noise for the second. Are there any other questions? I'm just looking in the chat. Um, I was wondering if anybody's using VS Codium, but people are just arguing that VS Code is better than Kate. (laughs) Okay. Are there any other questions that we have for Sean? Or any other topics related to this that we'd like to discuss? I just want to give a quick hint for VS Code. Mm Mm-hmm. And the shortcut is a little different on every platform, but I believe it's Command-Shift-P. P pops up a little command menu. And once you know it's there, and maybe it's Command-P um, or Control-P. I'm on a Mac, so I, I can't keep them straight. Um, but you get this little menu here. If you add a right-pointy, um, a right-sided angle bracket oh, in there, so, like, when you pop it up, it's by default file search mode. Mm-hmm. But if you put in a right bracket, you have access to all the commands, uh, oh. the right angle bracket. Sorry, keep on getting them wrong. So this one? Uh, no, 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 not slash, angle bracket. Uh, the oh. thing on the period. Okay. Oh, oh, less than... And then now, like, type in, um, you know, anything, run, or uh, format, or whatever. And once you get this window there, you 
as soon as you build that muscle memory, you can kind of kick off your task. You can pop up a new terminal. You can go ahead and, um, you know, yeah, do awesome. stuff like that. And it's just, it's pretty nice. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that hint. Yeah. And so it's all like a super field. So just, you know, the little carrot at the beginning or the little sideways carrot tells it, hey, you're asking for a command. Otherwise, you can just type in a file name and it'll just, you know, and hit enter, bam, you're in the file. Wicked. Okay, that's great. That's really great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy. So yeah, that's Control P uh, for for Linux. Greater than Tim. Greater than. Yep. Angle bracket. Where'd you get that? I can never quite get. I, I don't keep track of the greater and less than. Um, like I, it all makes sense, but I could see it the other way, so I just call it the right bracket. Uh, I have a child that's doing. Uh, um, um, grade six math. So I'm familiar with these symbols still, because I had to explain them at some point recently. <laughs> your, your, your unreasonable advantage. Aha! There you go. Yeah, that's a great one. So it's, it is an excellent tool um, for learning or for developing for professionals and or less than professionals. Um and I did have a lot of fun building it and uh, playing with it. And like I said, there's lots of different colors. So if you don't like um, this look, you can get a different color theme. Um, solarized light. It's a bit more yellowy. Um, you can get file icon themes. So basically it just, it allows you to build your environment as you wish. Um, and then, and it makes it portable. Um, I was able to move this uh, this VM through the cloud and, uh, from several machines and booted them up on booted them up on several, and it's worked as as well as it can on each of them. Thank you for listening to the Kitchener Waterloo Linux User Group audio podcast. Our monthly meetings are free of charge and open to all, so please join us if you are around. We meet on the first non-holiday Monday of each month from seven to nine p.m. in Kitchener. Please visit kwlug.org for upcoming topics, for directions, and for additional meeting information. In addition to attending a meeting, you can participate in the KWLUG community by joining our email discussion list, by offering to present a topic, or just by spreading the word about this podcast. Thanks also to IndieServe Networks, Archive.org, and CCJ Clearline for hosting our website and multimedia files to the Working Center for offering meeting space, and to the many people who participate in the KWLUG community. Until next time, goodbye world.